0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, I am joined by the lovely Sally Orange, who is the only person on the planet to complete a marathon on every single continent dressed as a different piece of fruit, which gives you a flavour of her colourful personality. It actually works out really well that we have a podcast guest on who loves to dress up in, in a wonderful and wonderful uh, outfits, And the podcast is being released a day after Halloween. I mean, it kind of works out perfectly. In fact, I'm actually recording this right now on Halloween dressed as a minion. Don't have to ask why. Had to come into the office dressed as something. So I'm dressed as a minion. But unlike me, Sally actually dresses up in weird and wonderful outfits and takes on incredible challenges where she raises money for incredible charities. Now, this is amazing. She holds multiple Guinness World Records and world First. She's run over 50 marathons, completed eight full Ironman triathlons, and has completed 22 years' exemplary service in the Royal Army Medical Corps as a physiotherapy officer, including an operational tour of duty in Afghanistan, which we actually dive into on the podcast. Having faced her own challenges with severe depression and chronic anxiety, Sally speaks openly in an attempt to remove the associated stigma. She encourages others to manage their own mental well-being through healthy eating, physical activity, and a positive mindset. A trigger warning before we get into this episode, we do touch on the topics of mental health and suicide. If you are having a difficult time, then you can find support at samaritans.org. But alongside these very deep and personal topics, we also have a great time chatting about her experiences, the different places that she's traveled to and the events that she's taken part in. But just before we jump into this episode, a quick word to our amazing sponsors, eGlove. We are delighted to be back working with eGlove, who are sponsoring this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. eGlove's performance and sport specific smartphone gloves have been developed with complete focus to the end user. Whether your sport of choice is horse riding, running, hiking, or simply walking to work, their technically superior touchscreen gloves allow for full movement, keep your hands warm and dry, enable you to grip reins or handlebars securely, and still mean that you can call, text, or tweet via mobile whilst you're wearing them. And what's even better is at Outside & Active, we're helping you prepare for the cold months by offering you a special 10% discount on all e-glove products when you use the code O&A10 at checkout ampersand O and A10. You can use that at checkout, browse the full range uh, and you'll get 10% off. To make the most of that, head to www.eglove.co.uk. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode of the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast today. I'm joined by the lovely Sally Orange. Sally, hello, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Dom. How are you?
0: I'm not too bad. I'm excited to have this conversation and I'm excited to start the podcast with something that we've been doing quite recently. And it's where I pass on a piece of advice that a previous podcast guest has left to you. They don't know who they're leaving it to, uh, but it's a piece of advice about anything. And this week, your piece of advice comes from the lovely Charlotte Clark. And Charlotte is an ultra runner, a trail runner, an adventurer. She's had two heart surgeries. She, uh, does a lot of social media work and a lot of inspiring younger generation to get active. And her piece of advice for you is to not compare your runs or yourself or the way that you're active to anyone else's. It's to focus on you. And I'm sure that's something you do, but, uh, has it ever been a time where it's been tough and you do compare yourself, whether that's competitively to other people or are you quite good at just being part of the community and running for yourself?
1: Oh, no, I think in the past, I think it's something that um, I've definitely done of comparing yourself and then beating yourself up because you don't quite live up to. The high standards of, of somebody else so I totally agree with Charlotte and think it's a you know brilliant piece of advice um, and I think it's something that younger people it's better that they learn that in their early years rather than having to get to their 40s you know which is probably the, the time that I realised it. it probably wasn't until my 40s that you can't compare yourself because Excuse the pun, but it's a bit like comparing apples and oranges we 're not all the same, so um yeah, brilliant piece of advice i'd say
0: amazing. so another staple question that we have at the beginning to ask you is, what do you love Sally Orange about being outside and active
1: uh, i just I think it's the it 's the way it has an impact on all your senses, so when you 're outside you see different things you smell different things you're you feel the wind or the rain or the the elements on you um so yeah i think it's just holistically how it can have an impact on you and make you feel better i think it's very rarely that we can say we go outside and it makes us feel worse and i would always say that there's no such thing as bad weather just bad clothing
0: <laughs> That's a good piece of advice at the moment, especially in the yeah. UK, because it's getting colder, it's getting darker and it's getting rainy and it's hard to get yourself out there and take that that first step out the door. How do you stay motivated? How do would you encourage other people to stay motivated and take that step outdoors when it's getting darker and colder?
1: Yeah, really good point. It is, um, I think the hardest part is getting out of the door, is getting that first step and um, the procrastination that I can end up with such a really tidy house or every job that I haven't wanted to do or that will do beforehand and I can't profess to always being motivated but but for me having a, a goal um, of knowing that you've got something ahead of you that you're working towards that can help with the motivation so that just on a, a day-by-day basis not looking at the bigger goal just breaking it down into into small chunks and going right if I go out today it's going to make it easier tomorrow and that will make it easier the the next day and I think you know like the advice that was just given previously not comparing one day to the to the next because you'll have good days outside and not so good days outside if it's in terms of a a run Um, and sometimes I would just go out for a walk if I'm not feeling it to go out for a run just getting outside and in fact my new year's resolution this year was to make sure that i went outside every day didn't have to go for a run but just make sure that i got out my flat every single day and touch wood so far <laughs> it's nearly going. october yeah. i have managed to do that every day um, of the year so far
0: amazing i think it's refreshing to hear from someone who has taken on so many different challenges that we'll get into it's refreshing to hear that you know, as someone who, who just is almost a casual runner and there'll be people listening to this that, you know, exercise casually, That motivation is still hard to come by. And that, you know, there will be days where you just want to go for a walk and you don't want to go for a 25 kilometer run or, you know, spend four hours in the gym, whatever. It's refreshing to hear that, you know, sometimes it's just a walk outside or sometimes it is difficult to take that step out, but love saying on the podcast, you never regret a workout. You very rarely regret a run. So said finding that motivation and and setting those small objectives and challenges for yourself will help so coming back round to you how would you explain to people who you are and what you do
1: yeah it's not always the easiest answer actually so i am sally orange and that is my real name cuz quite often Because of the things that I do, people think I've changed my name. Um, But I served in the military for 22 years as a physiotherapist. Um, But unfortunately, I got medically discharged from the army because of poor mental uh, health. And one of the things I have started to do for my mental health a few years ago is run or be active, whether that be running, swimming, cycling. So I have now gone on to run over 70 marathons, mostly dressed as different pieces of fruit. So I do have a small claim to fame in that I'm the only person in the world that has run a marathon on every continent dressed as a different piece of fruit. And the reason that I do that is, first of all, it makes people smile. And it's really nice to to make people smile And often it attracts attention. So people, when they're smiling, will come up and say, why are you dressed as a banana, an apple? or?" And I'll say, I'm trying to break down the stigma associated with mental ill health. And that starts a conversation. Often somebody will say, oh, I've had a problem or I know someone who's had a problem. And it just really subtly starts that conversation that people perhaps wouldn't otherwise do. And it just lightens it a little bit when I'm I'm stood there dressed as a, a piece of fruit and they're talking about it. So it, it's fun. It's it's helped me raise a lot of money for charity, um, and yeah, it, it gets me outside. And it's all about that not comparing yourself. And I, you know, I I love that because if I think of myself, that I have been a whole fruit bowl, but none of my marathons have been the same. I've done some marathons. Again, there aren't many that I've done uh, repeatedly, but some I have. And they're never, ever the same the next time um, because you've learned different things or you've experienced different different things. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of kind of what I have. And I've just taken on different challenges, whether that be Ironman's or I've taken on the Race Across America, the cycle, um, the Marathon de solve yeah just some crazy sort of things but just as as fruit and just saying that you don't have to be the fastest or fittest to go and do something but for me it's going out and having fun and enjoying myself and raising raising money for charity so so that's
0: a little bit of a nutshell and we'll we'll touch on those different adventures that you spoke about there because i'm sure there's some interesting stories and i'd love to get an insight into that and obviously i had a question planned around um why the fruit and obviously why dressing is fruit and obviously you know, it, the relation to your name, but also it, I knew it would bring a smile to people's faces, but I hadn't actually considered when you just said there about it being an icebreaker and it's starting a conversation for people. And I'm sure there's been so many different races that that you've been on where you have conversations with people during the race before afterwards, and you can have those conversations and, and it just in in an environment where it can sometimes be, quite intense and pressured and during races and people feel like, you know, they're going for PBs or it's just quite, you know, people might not talk to each other in, in that moment, just starting a conversation by seeing uh, someone dressed in an orange, a banana, an apple or whatever it may be. I'm sure there's been some amazing conversations that you've had at races.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I love about races or events. I don't always call them races because for me, Put in that competitive element I know you know some people do it for the competitive but I'm hard on myself anyway and so I try, try and take away that stress and anxiety and actually sometimes just have the aim of trying to find out other people's stories trying to find out why they're doing a, an event because everybody's got a motivation behind it uh, behind them and I love you know, talking to people in the, in the events. Um, so, so yeah, it sort of takes the pressure off, off me. Um, and I learn about other people as well. So yeah.
0: (laughs) And on the outside and active podcast, we love to take a deep dive into important topics. So the question for you is what is the hardest fruit to run in? and what is your favorite fruit to run in we're really getting into the nitty gritty of you know, <laughs> the important topics here
1: yeah well i think the favorite has to be the orange um because of my name i you know i've got a yeah a, a definite affinity to that being being my favorite one of the hardest was probably the pear uh, which i ran a marathon in antarctica uh dressed as as a pair but it actually served as a as a windbreak it kind of encompassed my whole whole head so it did help keep me warm i don't think many people um have well nobody has ever ran as a pair in in antarctica um so yeah i would, I would say that but What I found after about 50 marathons were people would say to me, you're completely nuts. And I thought, what a great idea. So I got a nut costume and I used it. um, I got a sign on me saying nuts about mental health together. We can crack it and ended up getting the Guinness world record for the fastest marathon dressed as a a nut. So I quite often try and like to use the costumes um, to yeah to you know to either sort of highlight a topic or um yeah as i say bring a bring a smile to different people and i know that some people would say oh, you, you can't use nuts or bananas or and i just thought well embrace it because if it's a good way of opening that conversation then then why not
0: i think the sentence running a marathon in antarctica dressed as a pair might be one of my favorite sentences that i've ever heard in life, let alone on this podcast. So, thank you for that. I'm banking that I will keep that, and, and that, that, that leads on to talking about the completing a marathon on every continent during, you know, wearing fancy dress. Is that something you set out to do, or is it something that once you did four or five, you thought, well, well, I've got to complete the set now?
1: Yeah, no, I, I never. Whenever when I did my first marathon. I I cross. I did actually dress as a superhero, um, and I remember crossing that finish line and feeling like a superhero. And it was the first time ever that I really felt that I'd sort of achieved something. And I, I just remember that feeling. And I actually love it when people are doing their own event for the first time and how that makes them them feel. And I'll get just as excited for them as I did because I I remember it so distinctly. And it was then after that that I thought, oh, well. I'll run as a um, a piece of fruit because I needed to raise more money, um, and yeah, I, I'd done a couple of marathons and then thought, oh, I was on holiday somewhere, um, so I thought, well, oh, there's a marathon going, I'll I'll do that. Actually, no, I wasn't on holiday; I was in Afghanistan. Um, wasn't really a holiday Not destination. A holiday. <laughs> that, that was my second um, second marathon, and it was dressed as a banana around Camp Bastion. And so then I thought, well, I've done two different countries never really thinking about the the continents but slowly as i I did more um i kind of thought yeah but actually there is something here that i would you know i'd always wanted to go to to antarctica and there was a way of putting the two together so yeah i kind of found it it sort of found me really it was never the, the the dream that i set out to do but you know an incredible thing to have done
0: what was the most challenging continent or country to run the marathon in and why
1: one that was particularly challenging, and it's a, it's a case of always read the small print. Um, so I, I went to Mongolia and ran across a frozen lake, except it wasn't actually just a marathon. It was 100 miles. Um, or just a bit was, further then. <laughs> Just yeah, and I decided to do it as a chili pepper because I knew it was going to be freezing cold. So I thought I'd look red hot. So it was minus fifty. I'd not long been back from Antarctica, and I was sort of like, I can do cold. And then I got to Mongolia, and it was so much colder, um and it was so much further. But I kind of thought, well, I'm here now, so crack on and uh, do an extra extra couple of marathons uh, on on top. So yeah, that that was quite a different one. But then I, I did one also in, in Uganda and it was actually a week's volunteering before the marathon at the end, which was lovely. But the marathon was actually through villages. So I ended up having two little eight-year-olds running and holding my hands. They were running in flip-flops and they were holding my hands probably for about six miles. And it's really hard to run without your arms Um but the smile on these kids' faces, I, I remember that one as just a, a really fun and, you know, getting young people involved in, in that, because that's one of the things that I do love to do is the pieces of fruit, It whether they're businesses, corporates or children, it's it it gets them involved and if i go into schools with all my fruit costumes kids love getting dressed up and i'll use it to talk about emotions or talk about fitness and as i say saying that you don't have to be the fastest or the fittest and a lot of people when they do an event the biggest fear that they have is what if they come last and i say that in schools what you know what's the what, feel? what I don't want to do it because what if I come last now I have come last in in a couple of events and I say to them you actually get the biggest cheer if you come last because people come back and they support you and I say to children if you're first all your friends are behind you so no one sees you finish But if you're last, they're there to be able to share in that with you as well. So sometimes it's just turning it round and, um, you know, sort of making the best of a maybe not great situation sometimes.
0: I imagine there's a room in your house with a load of costumes just hanging up like that you add to and pick from. Please tell me that's true.
1: (laughs) It is. Amazing. (laughs) Yes, I do have them on coat hangers. Um because I then found going into schools, if I've got them in coat hangers, I can just get, get them off and get the kids they can come and pick which ones they uh they, they wear. So so yeah, I do I do have a fruit bowl of a um a wardrobe. <laughs> so
0: incredible. Um so taking it back to what you spoke about earlier, twenty two year service in the Royal Army Medical Corps uh, physiotherapy officer touring Afghanistan how did you get into that and how was your experience being in that you know serving and also then your tours of Afghanistan
1: yeah I mean how do, I, I didn't know any, I'm not from a military background I didn't know anything about the the military or the army but then when I was at university I found out about the officers training corps and uh, it was about getting outside and being active and I thought that sounds that sounds great and something to do with like-minded motivated people and I think that's how I first first got involved and was learning a different skill Um, and, and I was getting paid for it as well you know this is something that I would pay to go and do, but I was getting paid to to do it. And then as I qualified as a as a physiotherapist, realised that I could do that alongside my day job. So I was working in the NHS and part of the Army Reserves. Uh, then I had the opportunity to go full time for seven years. And it was in that time that I went to Afghanistan. And that I would say was the highlight of my career because I was really putting to to use and into practice everything that I'd learnt and had trained to do. And it was a, a hugely rewarding, it was difficult because we saw some incredibly difficult uh sites in the hospital, but that yeah, that sense of purpose was just so so strong. And the community of people that you were with, and you I mean you were literally living, eating, breathing with the the people that you were you were with quite a quite a unique situation to to enter into um but as i say having that that purpose and then you know as a physiotherapist i was really lucky that when people when i got back and when other people got back i was able to continue with their rehabilitation and still know what they've gone on to to achieve and some of them have become paralympians and have gone on and done some you know incredible things and When I'm finding an event difficult, if it's an endurance event, it really sort of gives me that sense of I am incredibly lucky to still have my legs to be able to go outside and do these things. So it it sort of worked in a a different way as well that I'm, you know, it's given me that purpose and that sort of, uh, you know, desire to think actually life is very short and we can take lots of different opportunities and you know the washing up or the making of a bed can wait if it means I get outside meet other people and do different things and experience different things so it's quite a long answer to your question but it yeah you know it it is sort of um yeah that that's how I'd see where it's come from and where it's taken me I, I guess
0: it's it's interesting. I've been fortunate enough to have Michael Coates and Brian Wood on the podcast, people that have, you know, been around and served in the military and toured Iraq, Afghanistan, and have said similar things to you about that appreciation of not only life, but you know, having the ability to do things and achieve things. Being in that environment, being in Afghanistan, it must be difficult as you have you touched on, but it must also be rewarding and you must have learned a lot from that experience.
1: Yeah, I think you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about other people. And it does, quite often, it brings out the best in people when you're in a difficult situation, and people come together and they support each other. And I really feel that positivity breeds positivity. And that's something that you know I now like to surround myself with positive people because I feel better when I'm with when I'm with those people and uh, you know I think once you've been through through hardship the the smaller things in life don't matter quite the same um and it gives you a perspective I, I mean it it's quite a fortunate situation you don't have to consider the normal daily things of life you don't have to think about your bills you don't have to you know think about where your food's coming from because you know or going to get the shopping because that's all done for you so it's quite a, a unique situation and and you're earning money but you're not spending any money there's nothing to to spend your money on when when you're there so it's it, yeah it's really quite a quite a unique situation that you then got that sort of bond with the people that you were away with because, you know, years down the line, you remember who you were with um, and how they made you feel, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a privilege to have been able to, to do that. And as I say, I, I would say it was the highlight of my career.
0: And then moving towards the end of that period of your life, obviously, being in that environment must build mental strength and toughness, but it also must incite mental fragility and tough times as well. And it's, it's a theme that you talk about on your website, your social media. And also it's a lot of the reasons you talk about, spoke about it at the beginning of the podcast. It's a lot of the reasons why you run, what's your relationship with mental well being, And was that part of why you left the, what you were doing at that time and how is that important in your life now and in your running?
1: Yeah. So I, um, Often people will think that because I served in the military that I possibly have PTSD, so post-traumatic stress syndrome. I I don't. I struggle and quite severely struggle with depression and anxiety, and have done for for years and years. But I hid it for for so many years. And that actually kind of prevented me getting the help that I needed because I didn't tell anyone and I just tried to tried to cope with it. Um, unfortunately, it got to the point where it was decided for me that the military wasn't the right environment for me, which was difficult. That was really difficult. So I was medically discharged and it was not something that I wanted. I didn't want to leave. I had done this as a as a hobby, I guess, um, for you know a long a long time so it was difficult having that taken away from me um and i don't feel it should have to be that way you know i've dealt with physical injuries of other people for for years as a physiotherapist and i know that if people come to me with an injured ankle a couple of days after they've done it then i can help them and it won't get as bad as you know it won't develop into something more serious hopefully um and, and i think that's the same with with mental health as well but if it spoke about i mean there's different types of of mental health but so, you know sort of if it's a, a small incident then you know talking about it and recognizing maybe i do need to get help um, at that stage nips it in the bud and and helps that way so i didn't get discharge for what often people think as I say the, the, the PTSD and it, it's surprising I have actually been asked a few times to go back and speak to the army about the challenges with mental illness and I I was able to succeed because I managed it and I've learned over the years how to manage it and I, I was very fortunate when I was medically discharged to be asked by the army cadet force to be one of their national ambassadors and I think that's really forward thinking because having somebody who is open about having a mental illness shows young people that you can still go on achieve and achieve with uh, a mental illness and that it might set you back at times, but it actually develops your resilience that you can use in lots of other parts of your your life and other situations as well so I think for young people to to see somebody else and not be afraid to to talk about it hopefully is you know is is a great thing and that's why I sort of champion it so so much with younger people because I think that's the that's the generation that we need to target so it doesn't get to the problems later in life.
0: Uh, It's interesting you talk about that mental strength that you're building up after that and that resilience because I speak to so many people that take on challenges akin to the ones that, that we'll touch on and that, that you've done, you know, over 70 marathons, eight Iron Ironman triathlons, all of the challenges that you take on Marathon de Saab. Those events take an extreme amount of not only physical capability, but the mental strength to push through barriers, the, you know, the, the that little voice telling you to stop how do you find it was that part of that building of obviously going through the depression and anxiety that you've spoken about is it's is tough on the mental well-being but to then achieve all of the things you have must take an incredible amount of mental strength and motivation
1: I, I, it's, it's actually quite easy now because when i was really really unwell it was a case of life and death mm. it, it really what you know i was at I wanted to take my own life and was at, at that point. Now, with an event, if it's getting tough, which they do, um, it's never life or death. It's it, it's a choice almost. I, I've chosen to go and do the event in the in the first place and I can choose whether to stop or not. And yes, it might be disappointing if I'm not able to complete that challenge, but it's not the end of the world it's really you know and again it's that perspective of of saying well i might have put a lot of effort into it and i might have you know it might have cost a lot or have involved a lot of different people but it's it's how you pick yourself up after something like that if you haven't been able to to achieve and there, there has been a couple of things that i haven't been able to um to succeed but i think the the motivation for doing it sometimes depending what that is can help with your your resilience because if i know that i am doing the best that i can whether it be finding out about other people doesn't that being the best doesn't have to be being the fastest or going the furthest or coming first um it's the experience and the the journey to to get there but but i always think it's not life and death if I don't finish the the marathon to if I don't finish a marathon uh, in fact I'm doing a marathon on Sunday which I'm probably going to have to walk most of it because I have got an injury and I need to practice what I preach and some people could say well what you shouldn't do it but to me I can still do it and I can still enjoy it and I can find out about other people. So I don't need to completely, I just changed the, the objective of why, why I'm doing, I'll still be raising money and I'll still be having fun and I'll be outside and with all those other people.
0: And what are you going to be dressed as on Sunday during the marathon?
1: Well, it's a little bit of a different one actually. Um, so I have, as you said, I've done fruit. I've done a couple of vegetables and, um, I often like to use my costumes to to raise awareness and I'm actually going to be a slice of cheese. So I'm going to have a it'll make sense next year, um, but I'm going to have a sign on me saying um, or asking sort of saying feeling cheesed off and then hashtag time to talk. So I will use I am a little bit cheesed off, but I can't run and a a couple of situations that have happened, um, but it's going these things happen that's life not everything goes the way that we want it but if you talk about it and um, then you know it can it can get better so it's a, a slightly different uh slightly different theme but hopefully it'll bring a smile to, to people again so that's that's why
0: yeah slightly different but like you said it will bring a smile to people's faces and you'll be opening up those conversations like you spoke about earlier so oh, i'm sure that 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 will be good fun and the most of the events that you do the marathons are you raising money for charities and are they usually mental health charities or do you diversify
1: i i've raised for i think it's over 45 different charities now and have raised over half a million pounds so there's usually a some of those charities are the ones that have helped me um when i've needed help and they're often of a military slant, so military mental health, children, and activity um are sort of the you know the di- diversity of those um, uh, yeah of the the charities that that I've raised for
0: and do they provide a source of motivation as well when you're doing the events because that's just another element of people are raising money it's for a great cause, and that pushes you through the event as well,
1: yeah, you know I know that. You know they've they've helped you know in some cases they've they've helped me, and if that means it can help somebody else, it's it's almost paying it forward. Um, and it is a massive huge motivation for me and that's why all of my marathons have been for for charity or you know all of my events have been for for charity and that doesn't always have to be raising money sometimes it can just be raising awareness um so one of the one of the charities scotty's little soldiers that's for um bereaved children of service personnel and they can't go to children and say, can we help you? They have to have it that they go to them. The children go to the the charity. Well, if people don't know about that charity, then they're not able to, to help them. So just letting people know what the charities do. And the great thing is by doing it for so many different charities is I've got to learn which charities do what. So if I come across someone who's having a difficulty, I'll be able to say, Have you heard of this charity or have you heard of that charity and know which charity to signpost them to for their individual uh, challenges or problems that they're having?
0: I'm sure you're always looking ahead to the next challenge and another charity or whatever it may be. But do you allow yourself to sit and think, wow, I've done an incredible thing and raised so much money and just sit back and be proud of you know, the, the progress you've made over a certain amount of time, the money that you've raised and just allow yourself to, to have that proud feeling?
1: That is a very good question because that is something that I have struggled with mm. because I don't feel that I do anything particularly incredible. Um, and yeah, so possibly don't, that's part of my challenge and part of my therapy is actually yeah being able to sort of go well you maybe have done something great or but yeah i i I do struggle with that i'll I'll be honest um and
0: yeah being able to to stop smell the roses and appreciate it is is tough i can imagine when you've you know you feel like the focus is on the event it's on the charity it's on the the core purpose of that charity rather than you you're kind of the the messenger I, i i do get that but obviously it's it's nice sometimes to appreciate the and I'm sure loads of people do tell you and the charities appreciate the work that you're doing. So I'm sure it will come. But I can understand how it is difficult to do that sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm working I'm working on it. Um but yeah, I, I don't feel anything special or um but, you know, I think anybody could do what I what I do. Um so yeah, so
0: move on (laughs) I'd love to um I'd love to touch on just some of the events that you've done and um and just to give people an idea of the amazing things and the amazing places that you've been and the challenges you've undertaken I mean the firstly the Marathon de Saab, we've had a few guests on that have taken that on and I'm always interested to hear people's experiences what was your experience of the Marathon de Saab? did you enjoy it would you ever do it again
1: now I've got a bit of a story from the marathon to Saab, Amazing. which, um, <laughs> which I'm sure you won't have heard this story um, from no any way. of the other people. So I, I didn't find it easy. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. It was a massive challenge. And the first time I applied, I actually didn't go ahead and, and do it um, because people had said to me, "Oh, you won't be able to do that." And so I. Um, yeah I thought oh no, I won't be able to do it and then after I thought, yeah I, I do want to do it. so I put myself in foot and then didn't tell anyone until after it was too late to be able to to um to pull out but when i when I went, I wasn't very well um on the first day, and I found myself at one of the checkpoints vomiting and then on the second day, um unfortunately, the other end wasn't doing <laughs> doing so well, and I also had a chest infection as well, and on the third day um I needed to drink quite a lot because I'd been not well yeah. so during the night I um, had a you know had some water and obviously in the, the desert things are all quite warm although it gets cold things are warm so I had some fluid and thought oh, it doesn't taste great so I had some water um, from a different water bottle and the next day I saw um, a bright orange bottle, and I said to my tent mate, "I said, um, what electrolyte drink are you using?" And he went, "Oh no, no, you don't, you don't want to drink that." And I said, "No, I already had, I already have," which is when I realised that his feet were too blistered to be able to take the twenty steps out of the tent to go to the loo, and he'd used a, a water bottle, and I had found myself um having a taste of that. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so but and so the whole tent erupted in laughter when they realised what had happened and so then the next tent was sort of laughing at what the laughter was and it kind of went round the semicircle of, of laughter. And then on the last day, and this was all before the, the double day And then on the last day at the airport, somebody said to me, uh, how did you find it? I said, well, you know, on the first day, uh, you know, I vomited, second day this, third day I drank my temp mate's pee. And he said, Mm -hmm. that was you. He said, you got me through the MDS because whenever I thought I'm having a really tough time, I just thought to myself, at least I'm not that girl who's (laughs) drank her temp mate's pee. So I now use that to, to young people to say, you never know when you're inspiring other people <laughs> by what you do. That's,
0: That's incredible. Like that. that is a source <laughs> of inspiration that you were giving that you did not know you were giving. I but, and and you- I will
1: not do again hopefully
0: no. <laughs> you wish it didn't <laughs> happen but it did so you might as well have it have people like the best it.
1: of
0: it well you're right that's definitely a story and experience that i'm sure not many people or no one else has from the marathon desalb <laughs> <laughs> amazing so so going from that a race that a lot of people would have heard of in the community to uh, something a bit different the the race across america um correct me if i'm wrong but you captain the first british female team to to, to go there what is it and what was your experience of it?
1: So it's it's termed the um, the, the most difficult cycle event, and so it's from the west to the east coast of uh, America. So over twelve states, three mountain ranges, over three thousand miles, and you have nine days in which to do it, and. I wanted to get a group of women together who'd had uh, difficulties with either their physical or mental health. So we were a real mixed bag of of people. We had a hand cyclist, a recumbent cyclist, an amputee. The oldest rider was 69. Um, So as I say, a real sort of mixed bag. And it's a relay. So there's only ever one person cycling at one time. Um, And we did that in the in the race there was only two all female teams, and all the other teams were all on upright bikes. Where we had a mixture of bikes, so the challenges of the logistics of that, and uh, you know the the physical. Um, you know, challenges as well, sort of made it a bit more complex. But we managed to finish it in eight days and twelve minutes wow. and became the first all female wounded, injured, and sick team to ever complete the, the race across America. So it was a lot of sleep deprivation, um, you know, sort of coming together as a as a team. And yeah, achieving something. And we we weren't, uh, you know, not elite athletes or anything like that. But just saying, if you have a focus and a desire to want to achieve something, then you 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 can do. And it it you know sometimes people say, well, how many miles a day did you do? It was more complex than that because there would be no point putting a hand bike on an uphill because they would be really slow. So tactically saying, right, we've got an uphill coming. So we'll get an upright rider to do that short section, but the, the hand bike will be really fast on the downhill. So we'll put them on that bit. So so one person will have done a lot more miles than than somebody else because it was using the skills that we'd we'd got because of the different bikes that we'd got as well.
0: And that experience is different in a team compared to the marathon desar, which, okay, you might run with other runners for certain periods, but it's on your own effectively. Yeah. So the race across America, you're doing in a team. How does that compare? Is it nice having that support, or do you feel like you have maybe like la- la- less control over it?
1: One difference I know definitely is was probably before the event and the the training for it. So I'm not great at training. I have to admit, and I just kind of go out and do events, not particularly training for them. But that was something that. If I didn't train, first of all, how could I expect everybody else to train if I wasn't training? And also it's that feeling of not wanting to let anybody else down. So if I'm on my own and I pull out or, you know, don't go as fast or, you know, whatever, then it's only me that it affects. Whereas as long as I know that I'm putting in my best and hopefully everybody else is putting in their best, I really, it doesn't matter to me if isn't successful in the aim of finishing because success isn't always about finishing um it you know it can there can be different things with with success as i say you know it might be that you've heard a story that motivates you in a different part of your life or you meet somebody that Mm. that, that to me is success but it's not success of finishing in the fastest time um so so we had to be quite clear about what our objective was and that was to finish safely um and together as a as a team rather than necessarily being the the fastest we that wasn't our aim to to be the fastest we we wanted to finish um so yeah different different objectives
0: what an amazing um, experience
1: yeah, yeah it was yeah it was an, an incredible experience and unfortunately I had had an accident um 3 weeks before so I'd fallen off my bike and had quite bad concussion um so it was that I found that really difficult for you know sort of planning for sort of 18 months uh, you know an expensive thing and then potentially not being able to to do it and um not being you know not being well and actually I didn't realize it but the concu- the concussion really triggered my depression. Um, So I did feel suicidal. I was fine when I was actually cycling and when I was doing the event. But the minute the event stopped, it was almost too much sensory overload of there being too many people. And my brain could sort of manage two of the three things. But when I had to two or three it it just didn't do very well so it, it it was it was tough in in that respect
0: do you use these challenges events adventures as an output as an antidote as an escape all three of them does it depend
1: um I think probably all all three of them um and it's yeah I suppose it's the the focus it gives you you know it gives you a um you know a focus and a motivation um and you know the physical benefits are that you the endorphins that are released the people that you're with that you're not you know not alone um so yeah i think i would say all three of those things
0: and gosh you, we've spoken about a couple of the challenges and highlighted them but just to give listeners an idea of some more cycling the length of new zealand climbing several mountains skiing the arctic circle you've done swimming challenges i mentioned the eight ironman triathlons earlier and obviously the, the over 70 marathons and i'm doing you a disservice there's other things as well as i know that but is there anything that you want to do that you haven't done and if so is there a reason why
1: um there are a couple of things that have been postponed and are in the pipeline and i will be doing um and one of those is the seven marathons on seven continents in seven days Yeah. so i will now be doing that in february yeah. hopefully if it all, all goes ahead and also the north pole marathon i've been waiting for four years to to do that as well so hopefully this year it will will go ahead um So, yeah, they're they're sort of um, things. But then I've actually got another challenge in May that basically for the Jubilee, I did 7K a day for 70 days. And it wasn't it's more consistency. Uh, It wasn't particularly massive distance, but it was just showing up every day and, and doing that. Now, what I want to do, what I will be doing in May is seven times 7K a day for seven days. So seven ultramarathons in seven days. But I'm actually going to be doing it on a running track. Um, and I'm calling the challenge going around the bend. Because when you have a mental illness, you feel like you're going around in circles. But the message being that if you break it down into small chunks and only tackle 7k at a time, then it will hopefully become more, more achievable. Oh, so um, a lovely message. Yeah, people quite often think I've gone gone round the, the the bend, but then I'm actually going to make it into to an event on one of the day where teams will come together and they'll get seven people, um, and they will show what you can achieve with support. So they will each do seven k, and they don't have to run it; they can walk it. But I chose seven k because a lot of people do couch to five k. But for me to think you've got to go from a 5K to a 10K is double the distance that you've worked or, to, you know, to seven is kind of a nice in the middle. Um, so it's looking at something that's achievable for a lot of, you know, a lot of people. And, you know, if people want to make it more difficult for themselves, they can try and be the fastest. Or you can make any run your, you know, your personal, you can put your personal slant on it, but it's to make it include to as many people as as possible um so so yeah so that's that's in May next year during mental health awareness week
0: well your diary is incredibly full it seems like you've got no lack of uh, motivation and ideas for challenges and a question that I'm always interested to find out the answer to with people that take on these different challenges is and you can you can answer this in whatever detail or whatever you however you like but how does the funding because obviously this takes time to so going out and doing this kind of just takes time and people support you obviously there's the charity fundraising as well but where does this kind of option to take time come from is it all just just your your own time
1: yeah it is just all my own time i mean a marathon um is is a weekend you know so you can do that sort of but i've now chose to you know i would do some of the marathons when i was on holiday so i would build a holiday my holiday time around around that but with with some of the the bigger bigger events you know they're perhaps only once you know once a year so that is what i would use my my time but i i have found now that i dedicate a lot of time to that's my kind of fun of, you know, perhaps rather than because, again, you you can have a few drinks after. you know, Sometimes I have a few drinks before because I say I am very normal yeah. and sometimes a glass of wine the night before. Um, you meet people and, yeah, that's, you know, that's that's part of it. And it's part of the, the lifestyle, I would say, rather than it being, you know, with, with the Ironmans. Yes, a lot of people train and that's all they do and all they talk about but i just fit it in with you know with life really rather than it being a soul focus. but but saying that i'm obviously not one of the fastest so but because that's not it's never my you know desire to be the be the fastest or you know or the fittest because i never will be
0: it's amazing some people use their work holiday to go and lay on a beach somewhere and relax <laughs> some people use it to go to the north pole and do a marathon it's 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 incredible it's incredible um another thing that you you have or do is a world records and and world first give us an idea of a few of them and do you go for them and what do you love about them
1: so yeah and again i still try and have a message so one of the world first was um i did a marathon in the the london eye during the pandemic to symbolise the highs and lows or the ups and downs that the pandemic had on the nation's mental health. So I was in a pod, in a bubble, um, isolated. I could only see other people through a screen and but we were all, you know, the, the wheel was was going round. So that was the, the first female to do um, a marathon in in the London Eye. Six days later on World Mental Health Day, I did the world's deepest underground marathon and called it Beneath the Surface because you never know what's going on beneath the surface in somebody else's mind and got the Guinness World Record for the world's deepest underground marathon. So it was a mile deep in a mine up in North Yorkshire and there was um, tunnels sort of under there. Um, and, yeah, there was six of us that, that did that. But at the same time, the Army cadets uh, did the – they we put a programme together, so they did the most – they got the Guinness World Record for the most online users to do a mental health awareness training programme, which for 12- to 18-year-olds is, you know, a great thing to say that they've been a part of. But also they the great thing about it is the more people that beat that record – get to learn about mental well-being so they can sort of signpost themselves or, or other people so that was that was really good for them to to get that and then last year for the virtual london marathon i did it in the moat of the tower of london so again i was really lucky because it was right next to the tower bridge and for me in the marathon the london marathon that is what is always the the pinnacle where you run past then it just comes from you from every angle um you know the the, the shouting the, the cheering I had that all day because I was in in the moat but what I also did is I got six army cadets to come and do it with me so then they would do a lap and then they would swap with somebody else and we you know they ended up doing 10k each which was which was really great and yeah something that had never been been done before uh, but yeah was was just i got the feeling of doing the london marathon doing it virtually without actually doing it so um yeah
0: i mean these challenges are amazing but i think it's also amazing that there's a story behind them there's a metaphor there's a there's a there's a reason why it's you know like you said going around the bend for the challenge that you've got coming up for the for uh the the mile underneath or the, the the deepest marathon as such there's a reason behind all of these, and there's always a message and I'd be interested to know you do a lot of public speaking as you you touched on what 's the key message you want to convey
1: so i I think it is being about being open um, and you know perhaps my own vulnerability if that can help other people to not go down the path that i did where i wanted to take my life then that's helping other people and yeah that that's the biggest message that i, I want you know people to recognize that we're not all going to be happy all of the time that's just not sustainable and if we were we wouldn't appreciate the times when we we are you know when we are on on top of the world we need our our lows to appreciate the the highs um but yeah, you know, I think people just accepting and accepting who they are and what they are, and making the best of their situation in which they they find themselves. Because we're all different; we all have different attributes. We have different jobs, family, friends, um, and yeah, just being grateful for for what we have because we do have a we do have a lot. And you know, I was somebody who, when I was you know in the depths of my. My, my depression I, I manage it now through um, medication and that's taken a long time to sort of accept that I need to do that but actually if I can live a life that I am um, you know in enjoying and able to rather than enduring which I definitely was enduring life and it was tiring and but if I you know I perhaps don't have the highs as high but I definitely don't miss the lows being as as low so yeah for, for me it's sort of been an acceptance of of that um and hoping that yeah others others do that as well
0: just before i ask you the, the final staple questions that we have on the outside and active podcast just want to say thank you for coming on and it's been one of the most inspiring and honest conversations that, that we've had on the podcast since we started it so it, it's been incredibly interesting and uh, to, to talk to you and thank you again for coming on where can people go to find out more about Sally Orange?
1: So yeah, just on usual social media, media um, Sally Orange. Um, I do have a website. It's um, in its development. Uh, there's still there's not a huge amount on there, um, but my social media, sort of Instagram, does put more of the the different challenges on on there. So yeah, just any social media is, is Sally Orange with with a zero rather than an, an O. So. <laughs>
0: Well, we look forward to following all of the challenges that you have coming up and there's loads. And like I said, I encourage people to go and have a look at all of the stuff you've done before and follow what's to come. Um, So the final thing that I'd love to get from you is your piece of advice for a guest that will be coming on the podcast in the near future.
1: Yeah. And you threw this on me at the beginning and I've had to refrain from using it in in the podcast, (laughs) but People will often say to me, what time are you going for in a marathon? And they kind of start putting that, uh, you know, it, it feels a bit of pressure. So I just say to people to go for the time of their life um, because that takes away that pressure of having to to do it at a time. And yeah, just to go out and have the time of your life rather than going for, for a time uh, or the finish rather than going for the, the finish line, or the, you know, the finish time just to go for the finish
0: line that's a great piece of advice for running but also i think that's a great piece of advice for life as well i think you can take that into a number of different capacities and areas of life so sally thank you for the piece of advice and thank you again for coming on the ona podcast it's been great
1: yeah thanks Dob. it's been really nice chatting to you
0: and that is how season six episode two of the outside and active podcast finished i hope you enjoyed this episode with sally as i said at the beginning there was some deep and meaningful conversations but also it's great fun to talk about all of the different costumes that she's worn all of the different fruits obviously that she's stretching into cheeses and just all of the different countries she's visited to go and try different events and raise money for charity i hope that you're enjoying these episodes if you are then make sure to leave a review tell someone that you know or someone in the family that you think would enjoy this just as much as you and let's try and grow this outside an active community if you want even more of us and have listened to all of the episodes, then you can check out our website, which has a load of different written content from awesome contributors and brands. And you can find that at www.outsideandactive.com. And a final massive thank you to our episode sponsors and friends of the podcast, eGlove. Make the most of that 10% discount on all eGlove's amazing products at their website, www.eglove.co.uk and use the code ONA10 at discount. Make the most of it and make sure to stay warm this winter. We'll be back next week with episode three of the podcast. Really looking forward to that one. But until that time, I've been Dominic Brown. Enjoy the outdoors.